Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today uh, as we just slowly press in and get closer to this uh, new season that we're fixing to start into as a church. And so uh, I want to make this one announcement and put this on the uh, recording today and and it'll go out and uh, for people watching us online, you'll get to hear this. I want to make sure that you know that February 7th will be our Vision Sunday. February 7th, I will cast and show you uh, where we're headed, what, what God has in store for all seasons and for our church. And, and a lot of people have asked me over the, you know, I hear bits and pieces of this and this and that. I, I'm going to just unveil, unroll the whole thing. We've got video to show. We've got different ways to be able to show you and, and where we're trying to go as a church and the, and the number of lives we're trying to reach. And it's, it's incredible. Uh, how God has allowed our little church through all these years, just with people uh, that are faithful, what we've been able to accomplish. So looking forward to it. I hope that you will make whatever plans. The 14th, I know, is Valentine's, so plan that to be your weekend to be gone. Just go ahead and say, hey, babe, we're going away Valentine's weekend. But the 7th, we're going to be in church. The 7th, we're going to be in church because we need to hear this, and it's very important. So just wanted to You'll hear it probably, I'll put it on the phone line, different things and and Facebook, different ways to get this information out that we just want this place is packed with everybody connected with us and that's listening to us to catch this vision of what God is doing. So in in kind of rolling in that, let's jump into our series that we're still dealing with, being vested. I know I was gone last weekend and I had to do a really uh, enjoyable thing, Uh, not only do I get a chance to to pastor all seasons, but I get a chance to be a part of, of, of mentoring or just being friends with, however you want to say it, and helping other pastors go along. And ever so often, I get a chance to just celebrate with them. And so last Sunday, I got a chance to go down to Pedal to Eric Richards Church and uh, where he's doing a tremendous job. And, and he's on his second building program now and just finished his gym. And uh, he's even got in his little foyer a fish tank. His is a little smaller than mine, but he's got a fish tank. And it's, he's, he's, he's copied some things, and then there's some things he does a lot better than me. And so, so it's fun watching people just go along and, and just watching them grow. And I got a chance to go dedicate his new building and got to pray over it and lay hands on it. And uh, just a wonderful time of spending time with somebody else who's dreaming and doing and he, the first thing, of course, they asked him as soon as they were through. They said, "So, what are we doing next?" You know, and I thought, I thought, just take a break, just just take a break. Just it, those those five year halls are long, so it's fun to do that. I missed you guys, but let's jump into this understanding of vested. Let me catch us up. I know I was gone last week, so let me catch us up. What is it being vested? The word vested literally means that I I am bought into something. I am connected to something. You use the word invest. When somebody's invested in a, in a project or invest, it means I've put money or time or energy. I've put a part of myself, something that I have. Most of the time we will see it as finances because we'll ask about investing in stocks and investing in this. And so, But it, it means that I am vested in a product. I am vested in something. And we began to learn that in this thing that God has set up, God first invests in you. God has vested in you. He has filled you with grace and mercy. He has done all the things that he needs to do. He has given every spiritual blessing towards you. Everything that you need to be successful, God says, I have invested in you. And we found that then God turns around and says, now I want you to invest in me. 
I want you to invest in me, which creates our relationship. And as we do that, we grow strong enough to invest in others. And then as we started to study what stewardship really means, that literally it just means I'm a manager. A steward is simply a manager. And so when we began to talk about management, I I began to ask you a couple of questions. One of the questions I asked you was, would you hire yourself as a manager? Would you hire yourself as a, looking at your finances, how you keep up with your checkbook, your debt, your credit cards, whether you just simply are trying to just barely get by and pay all the bills each month, would I hire you as a manager of all of my stuff? Would that be a good idea? For some, it wouldn't. Pastor Lott, I'm the last person you want to hire as the manager over all your stuff. For some of you, it's a great idea. And understanding that this management is the key to stewardship. In fact, we began to learn it through three different stewards that we started to study over this last little bit of time. And let me say this, more than faith is mentioned in the Bible, more than love is mentioned in the Bible, more than heaven is mentioned in the Bible, money is mentioned in the Bible. That's that's how serious God takes it. You think, well, boy, God talks a lot about faith, not as much as he does money. Well, boy, God talks a lot about love, not as much as he does about money. Because he understands that in the way he created us, those are what is attached. Where your treasure is, your... Oh, y'all know that. Because wherever your heart is, there your treasure is going to be. Some of you complain about uh, something, a cost of something. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, my cable bill came in, $100. You you pay it. Why? Because you want to watch all those episodes and all that stuff you got recorded and and all the things. You don't want to miss all them shows. That's, That's important to your life. You couldn't live without knowing The Walking Dead and everything else. Man, what would life be? So what do you do? I'm vested because my heart's there and my money will follow. And so we began to study these three stewards, and these three stewards that we studied, we first in Luke 12, 16 through 21, we studied this foolish, or the, as the Bible calls him, a fool, who was a steward and God had blessed. And when God blessed him, he decided to tear down his barns and say, I'll just build bigger ones. I'm just going to do it for me. It's all me. And we studied how all he threw out the story. He says, I, me, I, it's all about me. The Bible calls him a fool. Another steward we studied about is the one who hid his talents. He was a steward or a manager. And God called him a slothful, called him a sorry servant because he hid it instead of turned around and used it to gain more. He didn't invest. He didn't use it to gain. Then we studied in Luke 16 the steward who reduced his debt. Now this was a wicked servant serving a wicked king. And the wicked king at the end looks at him and says, you're pretty shrewd. You're pretty smart. And God even looks at this servant, Jesus, in telling the story, says, you know, people of the world are better with their money than you are. People in the world are better with their money than the people of this this world. How do you know? I'll tell you why. Because if you throw a party, if you throw a party, and, and, and when I was growing up, Going to parties, 
Somebody had to make the run to go get the beer or the whatever else, you know, the crown, the Coke, whatever you had to get. I know that sounds strange. Pastor Lot knows about I know about probably more stuff than I need to. But man, I'm going to tell you that the most popular person at the place, the person who bought it, he was your buddy, right? He's your friend. Man, so-and-so done, done, he's done hooked us up this weekend. He's even got us a place. Man, we got a place to hang out. We got a place to go. We're going to party at so-and-so's house. And so-and-so became real popular. Why? Because the world understands that if you want to make friends or connect relationships, what do you do with money? You use it and invest it to create relationships. He said it's amazing how those people are smarter than the people of the God. God says, would you like a relationship with me? Yeah. Then, Then you need to be investing. You use your money to be a good investor in my stuff. And guess what it does? It brings my favor. You become one of my favorites. I, I use the question, and I'll ask it to you, because some of you weren't here on that Wednesday night. If you only had one month to live, what would you do? If, if, if they told you today, you're, you're eat up with cancer from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, and you've prayed about it, you know God's like, get your stuff in order. you got one month. What would you do in that month? What would you do? We had all kind of answers. Some said, I'm going to spend as much time with my family as I can. Some are like, I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, there's places I've always wanted to go, I want to do, I'm going to do that. Not one person until the end finally got it and said, I'm going to invest as much as I can before I die. Because in 30 days, guess who I'm fixing to meet? God, in 30 days, I'm fixing to meet God. Some of us are not great investors. And so we studied about stewards, managers. Now, today, it's, my, it's the most exciting part. I'm, that's why I'm kind of walking around. I'm, 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 today is my excited part because, because I finally get to the stuff I enjoy. All of this is to get you to understand that I don't own it. I'm a manager only for a short period of time has God entrusted this to me. And I'm going to have to give an account for all that God has given me, my talents, my abilities, my finance, all of this that God has put in my life, I've got to give an account to. And, and that excites me because now all of a sudden I step in to this mindset. But let me explain. Go with me to Luke 12 and 21 on these three servants. Let me show you how they end the stories. Luke 12 and 21, and this servant, here's what he says. This is how it would be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The other story ends like this, Luke 16 and 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and... So that's why this morning it's a quick test. It was a quick test today. And here's how it went. Somebody came to the stage, and and they gave you a chance to give in the offering. And you either were like, man, it's tough sometimes to give it. Man, 
tell you what, it's been a rough month. I ain't really got all. Man, it's. it's... And, and you're struggling because you got two masters. Or money doesn't have you, you have money because you're a steward and you're a servant and you're a manager and you've said, hey, God, you've been good to me this week and you know what? I've managed my life and I've managed and I've been able to come and put into your call to put into what you're wanting to do in the kingdom of God. I'm able to come invest in it and I'm able to do it and man, that's the most exciting thing in my life and and all that comes along with my investing is even more exciting. So this morning when I begin to talk about it, I'm not talking about it from that side anymore. I'm past that. Either you understand you're a servant, either you understand you're simply a manager, that that they're not going to hook a U-Haul to your hearse. They're not, you're not taking one thing with you. You're not leaving this earth with anything. You're going to have to either realize you're a manager and a servant or you're going to struggle your whole life with it being yours. It doesn't matter how much you get or how little you have, you still have the same struggle. The guy with $10 in his pocket struggles the same way with the guy with $40 million. It's mine or it's his. And so in your life, listen, we understand through these stories that we can now move into the the main part of giving. So this morning, the third part is simply this. Stepping into then being vested. We've dealt with what vested is. We've dealt with what a manager is. Now how do I... How do I start being, an, if you were going to start being an investor, if I said, look, we're going to get you into stocks and bonds, there's a process of learning how that goes. How much do I give each week? How much do they take out of my check? How much does this happen? In fact, we're going to teach a class as soon as in February that will deal with money management and dealing with your finances. And if you're not good at that, you need to be in that class. If you're not investing in things, if you haven't set aside a certain amount where you are investing, you need to be in that class. Why? Because if you're just simply at the end of every week, it goes back to zero, that's not a good lifestyle. You're one flat tire away from being in the negative. Right? Some of y'all have that. You're doing pretty good until the plumber had to come. You did pretty good until this. Then all of a sudden, oh, I ain't got that. Why? Because every week I go to zero. So today we want to learn about stepping in to being vested. So if he owns it all, he's a, we're the manager, then what does it look like being a manager? The word that, that we're going to use is two of them this morning. In fact, there's four ways of giving. There's four distinct ways of giving in your life. There's tithes. There's offering. There's first fruits. And there's alms. In the Bible, these four ways of giving are described. Today, we're going to deal with two of them. Wednesday night, I'm going to deal with two of the others. So this morning, I want to deal with understanding tithes and understanding offerings. Understanding tithes and understanding offerings. So when we look at the word tithe, it just simply means a tenth. A tithe simply means a tenth of something. So go with me in your Bibles to Genesis, Genesis 14 and 20. Genesis 14 and 20. Listen to what it says. And praise be to the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand and Abraham gave him a what? A tenth of everything. 
I want to explain why, why some people that, that will complain about tithes don't understand tithes. Because they will say, well, in the New Testament, it doesn't say anything about it anymore. But you're going to have to grasp this concept. You are the children of who? Abraham. You're not under the Jewish law. You're not under, you have gone back as children of faith. Abraham is the one who's established for us understanding of giving. And so when we talk about giving, we go back to the man called Melchizedek who was a priest and a king of the city Salem. And when Abraham met him, Abraham who had been victorious, who had, who had conquered, he goes and he takes a tenth of what he has possessed. He takes a tenth of what he has won. He takes a tenth of his and he gives it to Melchizedek and says it is an offering. I am giving you a tithe on this. And Melchizedek blesses him and calls him great. And all of a sudden we have a precedent that all through Scripture becomes this. You would say, well, then what about the New Testament? Well, go with me in your Bibles to Romans 4 and 16. Romans 4 and 16. Therefore, the promise comes by what? so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but those who have been have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. It is not a law that we give. It is a principle by which we give. It is not tithing in which we give because somebody's made us give a tithe. It's because throughout Scripture, we by faith invest in God as God has invested in us. And God calls it a tithe. And he says with a tithe, it works from this principle. When we talk about a tithe, it is a tenth. So what is my, so what is my motivation when I give my tithes? My motivation when I give my tithes is the motivation of obedience. Look at the person beside you and say, are you an obedient servant? See, that's going to be your first problem. If you already think it's yours and it's mine, it's all this, then, then even though it's a tenth and it's not even really a major amount, it's still going to bother you because it's yours. But if God would have said, I want half of everything you ever made, what would you have thought? Well, if you're obedient, you'd have thought I had to give him half. But God says, I'm not trying to get your money. What I'm doing is, is I'm trying to release a principle in your life and I'm trying to release a way of living in your life so that you understand I can bless. So the, my, my motivation is that, God, I'm obedient to you and whatever you bring into my storehouse, as Abraham did by faith, I operate by faith because I'm a child of Abraham. I'm not under some law. I'm by faith operating. And as I give, my motivation is obedience, but my reward is blessing. Because we're going to open the book in a few minutes to the Malachi where it says, if you will trust me in this area. What am I going to do? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out you a blessing that you cannot contain. I know people get upset like, Pastor Lot, I, you know, God's blessed y'all. God's get, I'm going to tell you why God's blessed us. God's blessed us because people pay tithes. I know that may sound like, oh, here's what happens. When I started out, I had people that didn't have the best jobs, people that were not uh, uh, doing the top-end things. 
Guess what? They started giving to God. They started being faithful to God. You know what happened in their lives? They started getting promotion. They started owning businesses. They started moving forward. You know what happened to their tithe? It went up. Why? Because when you are obedient in what God has given you, then God says, here's the result. I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out you blessings that you cannot contain. So I always tell people, the church can only do good when you do good. If you're not doing good, the church can't do good. So when you look around and you say, boy, how did y'all get all of this? Duh, it's real simple. God has been really good to those who have been really obedient to God. It's not complicated. He's protected us in hell. Think about all the COVID and all the stuff's going on. Think about how many people have, have passed away in our church. I know we have some that we're in nursing homes and some that were, but think about how many have passed away that have been consistent, tithe paying, people committed to none. Oh, be careful, brother. Lot. God, I don't have to because God said if you're obedient, then blessings of Abraham, and here's the blessings of Abraham. Health is one of the blessings of Abraham. That's one of the blessings. I don't have time to teach all the blessings of Abraham, but that's one of them. That you will be healthy, productive. And in your life, listen to me, it is the tithe. The motivation is simply obedience, and my reward then is blessings. Now, go with me to one more place, Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Listen. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And here's his promise. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. I don't want anybody to, to misunderstand why God blesses all seasons. God doesn't bless all seasons. All seasons really is really not anything major to God. But the people, his children that come to all seasons are very important to God. And as God in relationship blesses them, then what we call all seasons looks to the world like, boy, y'all getting blessed. No, it's every individual story. It's every person that I could go down the line and tell you, God opened this door and God opened that door. And man, it's just incredible what God has done. So the second one then is offering or what we call seed. Now, when we talk about seed, go with me to, uh, well, just go with me to John 15, 1 through 8. But, but it comes from the mindset of Mark and Matthew, Mark 4 and 8 and Matthew 13 and 8 where it tells the story of the seed that's sowed, and some brings up 30, some brings up 60, some brings a hundredfold. Genesis teaches us that from the time the earth was created to the time God will finally end it, there will always be seed time and harvest. That's why farmers are very confident when they take seeds and they spread them all over the ground and they cover the fields, hundreds and thousands of acres, and they think, you know what, I'm going to get back exactly what I put in the ground. No. 
They're expecting 60 times, 100 times. They're expecting from those few seeds that they sowed, bushels of this. Why? Because they understand that from the time it began, this is the way it worked. If I put a tomato plant in the ground, I hope I get a tomato. No, I hope that for five months I can walk outside and keep picking tomatoes, even to the point to where I finally call Pastor Lott and say, you got tomatoes? I I done canned and put up all I want. I'm going to bring you some tomatoes. Well, I don't know if I, look, I got to get rid of these. They're rotting on me. Why? Because it's overflowing. That's why you plant tomatoes. You don't plant one plant and say, I hope I get a tomato. No. And God says it works the same way in the kingdom. When you give offering, now your tithe is the 10%. That's done out of obedience. That reward is God blesses you. And blessings don't mean that you're always rich. And it doesn't mean you always are going to get money in return. It just means you're blessed. I don't want to tell you that, oh, if you pay your tithes, every one of you is going to be filthy rich. You will be. But it may not show up in your bank account that way. For me, I'm 52. I'm healthy. I can still play. I can still do everything I want to do. That's worth Go to the hospital and tell somebody what that's worth. See what kind of check they would write to you tomorrow to have my health. To be able to steal school young boys in basketball. At 52, what's it worth to you? I mean, I'd write you a million dollar check. Right? That's, that's how rich I am. God says, I blessed you, Tim. I've given you all the blessings you need. Don't always mean it comes the way you want, but I know that God's blessing me. Everything I have need of, He's blessed me. But now when I come to offering and I come to seed, offering or seed as it's called, understand the motivation is different here. Here the motivation is my faith and my reward. It's my faith because I know that I'm faithful. He's faithful to whatever I sow and I know there's a reward. I'm doing this so that I get at least 30 times this. I'm doing this so that I get at least 60 times this. When we talk about the camp and all of this, I know it seems like, man, we're going to build a camp and there'll be like 500 kids, 600 kids. See, I don't think that way. What I think of is Trent that was on stage today and Jennifer, they went to camp. How many people are they touching today because they went to camp? My, My one friend is in Alabama. He pastors a 5,000-person church there. Another pastor, a friend of mine, is in Orlando. They were the same young guys, just like me, little nobodies that went to camp, just just all in our warm-ups and everything we had. You think we did all of that? You think those people invested their weekends and their time, and they said, we're going to give weeks of our life. Pastors came down and sacrificed. Do you think they did that? They just said, I just hope at least the group we got, at least maybe they will all go to heaven. No, they were thinking, we want to change a world. And to change a world, we're fixing to plant seeds. These are our seeds, and we're putting them in the ground. And today, there's churches after churches and singers all over the state and all over the country that are leading praise and doing things that grew up in that little camp that those people will look at one day, and they'll get to heaven, and somebody will walk up to them, and they'll say, thank you. They're going to say, who are you? I was so-and-so. You preached at this camp. You were there at that camp, and, and, and I got saved, and 
said, I went on to be like Billy Graham. I went on to be one of the greatest singers in the country. I went on to write music. I went on to be a Sunday school teacher. I went on to do... You have no idea because when I sow my seed, my seed is not something I throw away. It's something that I look for good ground. I look for a place to put it. And when I find good ground to put it, I'm going to load up on it. Why? Because I'm expecting a 60, a 30, or a 100 fold. So when you see it that way, here my motivation is faith and reward. But my reward is the 30, the 60, the 90. Go, go now with me to John 15, 1 through 8. Let me show you how Jesus would say this to you. Jesus speaking from this same mindset. Listen to what He says. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Now He's talking about us. Now He, he doesn't look at us and say... Let me just describe y'all as, just know I love you. Just know I love you. That's not what he does. He's looking at his disciples. He said, let me describe it. And he says, here's, here's the way it's described correctly. I'm the vine. My father's a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no one branch, and he's expecting one, one grape, right? No. He's expecting that branch to produce. And if it don't produce, it's useless. He prunes so that it will be even more fruit. So everything that's gone on in my life, you say, well, brother, your life hasn't always been blessed. It's always been blessed. It just hasn't looked like it. I'll show you. People always want to talk about tattoos. Everybody wants to get tattoos. I got one. Right here. Y'all see my tattoo? God gave me my tattoo. I didn't have to go get nobody to stitch it in. Had, had to. God, at the age of 10 years old, said, Tim, I'm going to give you a tattoo. I'm like, you want to give me a tattoo? He said, here's how we're going to do it, though, Tim. I'm going to give your mother a vision that you're going to die because the enemy wants to kill you. He knows I want to do things with your life and I have a calling on your life and he wants to kill you. So he's claimed you. But I've given your mother a vision of what will happen. My mother fasts for three days and nights, doesn't eat or drink. On the day that her vision, she sees everything exactly the same. The men came to the church to work, everything according to her vision. She didn't keep me inside that day. She said, Tim, go out and play. Knowing that in her vision, I would be run over by a car that day. In that day, I played ball just like we said. In that day, instead of falling in the road, before I hit the road, my leg caught a culvert. And instead of me falling in the road and a car running over me, I fell two feet short of the road. And I had a gash very bad in my leg. They took me to the doctor, to the emergency room. Everyone in the emergency room says, we can't touch, we can't sew that. It didn't just cut it, it took it out. It, it basically just took it out. It was not simply like put it back together. It, as you see, there's a gash about this long. That's, that's after 30 years of healing. It was, it was just a hole in my leg. About that time, 
A specialist come walking in the hospital. He was not supposed to be there. He was coming in to check on one of his patients he had done surgery on. He was, he was a, a specialist in, in surgery, specialist in skin grafts, specialist in all of that. And he walked in, and one of the nurses called him and said, look, we've got a problem. And they done told me, my mother and father, we, we can't do anything. We don't know what to do with this. He comes in, looks at me, talks to me, walks out, tells my mom and dad, I think I can fix this. He not only fixed it, but for six months, each week, I had to walk to his office. We didn't have three vehicles back in those days. We had one, and my dad took it to work. So I would walk from school to the doctor's office and then home at 11 years old. For six months, he did this. And after six months, he gave my mom and dad a bill for $25. So when somebody says, you want to get a bird tattooed on your leg, let me tell you something. Knock yourself out, sweetheart. Get yourself something pretty. Get you a sleeve. Get something you really think you're cute with. But I can pull my britchy leg up any day of the week and I can say God gives tattoos. God will put some marks on your life, but they are just pruning. It is just simply so that you become better and stronger. And because of that mark, many times I've looked at my life and thought, God, I can't do this. And God says, look at that leg, Tim. Look at that tattoo I gave you. And remember, you can do anything. You're going to make it to the end, son. You're not going to fail. If we would let God do the pruning in our life more often, instead of us trying to dictate, instead of us trying to speak. Oh, I ain't got time to deal with that today. Just irks me. Here's what he says. He cuts off the branch in them that bears no fruit. And every branch that does, he prunes it so that it will even be more fruitful. What are you going through right now? Could it be God's trying to make you better? You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. That's a, that's a commandment doesn't mean you do remain. It says you better remain. You need to remain. Don't get lost. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No one, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much. 30, 60. 100%. God did not create you. You got saved. So God says, before you die, I hope you get one saved. He's hoping you get 10, 20, 30 saved before you die. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Here, here's where the power and the faith comes from. If I, if I am connected to God in this way, guess how much confidence I have? Here's what it says. If you remain in me and my words, ask whatever you ask whatever you want. Now, if you're in him and he's in you, you're not going to ask for dumb things. It does, if, if you're connected, you're not going to ask for dumb things. Be like me and my wife. If, if, if I love my wife, we're connected. I'm not going to walk up to my wife and say, Hey, you think for next Christmas 
you could get me somebody that you know I could have an affair with on the side? Think you could find some young lady, you know, for Christmas that I could see? I ain't, I ain't asking that. Not in live. <laughs> so because I'm connected to God and God's connected, I ain't coming to God like, hey God, you think you think you could give me, you know? God's like, Tim. I kill you, boy. So because I'm connected to God, and I'm, He's connected, I'm asking for stuff. God, give me strength. God, give me a doorway here. God, give me... The things I'm asking for bring Him glory. If you remain in me and my words, you'll ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. It didn't say it might. It didn't say it's got a good chance. It said it will be done for you. How many prayers has God ever answered for you? All of them. He's answered every single one of them. Every single prayer. When I'm in Him and He's in me, He answers every single one. This is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my... He said God's desire is that you would bear much fruit. Okay, let me see if I can show it to you in a story real quick. Is that okay? I've kind of laid the groundwork, but let me show it to you. Go with me to Joshua, the story of Joshua, Joshua 6 and 1. I'm going to try to do this real quick. You know how that goes. But I'm trying. Joshua 6, verse 1 and 2. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. God tells Joshua, in the early part of Joshua, He says, Joshua, I have given you all of Canaan. I've given you all the land. I've given you everything that you can see. Send spies in and let them search. Look at it. It's, it's, it's all yours. Wherever your foot lands, Joshua, that will be your possession. These are the promises God gives you. He says, don't turn left or right, but follow me, and you will make your way prosperous. So Joshua's excited. Joshua's like, man, we're fixing to take Canaan. We're fixing to take the whole land. We're, we, are, we are on good ground. And they cross over, and the first city that they get to is a city called Jericho. This is important. Listen, God tells them and, and, and explains to them, listen, God says, go with me to Joshua 6, verses 18 through 29, real quick. Let me show it to you. But keep from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and all the gold and all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded and the army shouted and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave aloud, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Okay. God says, here's what's the deal. It's all yours. 100% of it's yours, all of Canaan. But when you step in, the first city 
the first of it is whose? He said everything in Jericho, every piece of silver, every piece of gold, everything is a tithe unto me. It's mine. You, you don't touch it. You don't bargain with it. You don't play with it. If you do, you're going to bring destruction on yourself. If you do, you're going to bring destruction on yourself. Now Jericho, listen, it's funny, because Jericho, the meaning of Jericho is a place of fragrance. Now it's ironic and it's awesome that God allows him to name it Jericho, a place of fragrance. And I want to show you some scriptures that will make this mean more. Go with me to Exodus. Pull those scriptures up. Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, one by one. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing what? Aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Go to the next one. You are to wash the internal organs and the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, and the aroma is pleasing to... Go to the next one. And the Lord said to Moses, Give this commandment to the Israelites and say to them, Make sure that you present to me at the appointed times my food offerings as an aroma pleasing to... Why is this so important? God already said, listen, your offering is not only an act of faith, but it's an aroma to me. And the first city that they come to is called the place of fragrance. And God says, I want the fragrance that comes from Jericho. It doesn't belong to you, it belongs to me. It's the tenth, it's the tithe. And you don't touch it, it is a sweet aroma. It, the moment I'm able to reach down and say, they gave me everything of it. They didn't trust themselves. They didn't steal anything from me. They gave it all to me. He said, that aroma then is going to be the release and not bring destruction on your life. But go to Joshua 7 and 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Here's the problem. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Kera, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger was... He took the tithe that belonged to the Lord. Achan was fixing to inherit Canaan. He was fixing to have grapes that he didn't plant, houses he didn't build. He was fixing to get it all, the blessings of the Lord. God was fixing to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings Achan could not handle. But Achan could not resist the tithe. God don't need my money. No. I don't see why I got to do that. I'll, I'll give what I can. Achan decided I'm going to 
keep a little of the silver and he took it and he hid it in his tent. And when God reached down and said, oh, something's not right. Something doesn't smell right. And well, how did they know? Because, because the next battle that they had was against a little bitty city that they should have beaten easily. Didn't have no walls, didn't have... AI was like... In fact, Joshua just counts out a few thousand guys and said, y'all go take care of that city. Man, God's blessing us. God's, And it's the only defeat that we ever hear them suffering. And they come back, some killed, some beaten. And, and Joshua's like, Lord, what happened? And God says, Joshua, somebody's touched what they weren't supposed to touch. And they used a system by which they kept bringing different families in front, and finally, as they cast lots, and finally it came to Achan. And they found it was him. Because of what Achan did, he lost his life, his family, everything that he possessed, they stoned it all, killed it all. Because God says, I can't stand the smell. Go with me to Joshua 7, verse 11 and 12. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen they have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. Listen. They have put them among their own stuff. They've taken what is not theirs and called it theirs. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. That word, unless, that's the hinge word. I want to bless you. I want to, but I cannot unless. Unless you devote what's meant to be devoted Unless you decide, let me, let me explain it this way through the Scripture. What you lose when you decide to steal from God. I'm not trying to say, well, God's going to kill you. That's not what I'm saying. Don't go off and say, Pastor Lot said, you don't, you don't pay your tithes. God's going to kill you like Achan. Just, just get that in your head. I did not say God's going to kill you. But I am very emphatic that what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for destruction. Now, I don't know what destruction will look. It may be through your kids. It may be through barrenness. It may be through uh, life. It may be through your business. I don't have no idea. I'm just telling you that you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. And what holds that enemy back is your connection to God. What holds the enemy back in my life is my connection to God. He would have wanted to kill me from my leg. Through he tried to drown me. He's tried multiple ways through the years to take my life or to destroy me in every way he can. And if he had the choice, he would do 
it tomorrow. Well, why, why can't he do it? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's what I know. So I know I've got to stay connected so that that hedge, that protection, that blessing stays over my life. And God says, the moment you start stealing from me, that's removed. And it's not that I'm doing it. But now that enemy that won't sit you so bad, I can't stop him anymore. Because you're not in the vine, and the vine's not in you. Therefore, there's no life flowing through you. And there's no fruit being produced. What happens with a lot when I do this? Let me give you three things. First thing that's going to happen when you start doing this is you will become afraid. Security systems make millions of dollars selling to people who's afraid somebody's going to get them. Somebody's going to get their stuff. Somebody's going to come get your stuff. Last night we had somebody that had got out of jail or something in our local area around Lake. They were looking for them. What are you going to do? I went to bed. I don't have a security system. I don't have... I, maybe that bothers somebody. Well, you shouldn't say that. If you can get through all the angels that God wants to and you can walk off my property and God ain't already got a hold of you, there ain't nothing I can do to you. But I can tell you the one I serve, that's not the one you want on your case. That's not the one you want after you. I sleep just fine, thank you. Now, if it makes you feel any better, my wife does tote guns. She, she, so God may use her to protect me. I'm just letting you know that for the video too. You probably will be shot. But I'm just saying, it won't be by me. I'll be asleep. But all my family have gone through the courses and they all are very good 90-something plus shooters. So just know that they will hit what they're aiming at. That's a blessing from the Lord. God give them all good aim. But you'll become afraid. Always afraid every time you stop at a gas station. Every time somebody's going to get you, something's going to happen. Now that's not saying you don't use wisdom. I use wisdom. But I don't walk around afraid. Because I know God's protection is over me every day of my life. The second thing that will happen is you'll be set apart for destruction. You will always have this feeling the bad is coming. You know it's coming. You don't know when it's going to get you. Maybe it's through your life, through your business, through your marriage, through your kids. But you just have this gloom. Why? Because you're not vested. You're, you're, just, you're, you're hiding something in your tent hoping God doesn't see it. I got bad news. He doesn't see it. And he's done pulled his hand back and says, that's between you and the devil now. Number three, you will begin to feel alone without God. You will start looking for other ways to solve your problems. Other than God. You'll go through a situation, and, and if you ask me, all I say, well, let's pray. You got to do nothing else. If you find me somebody who's not vested, well, we need to figure out what we need to do. We, we, need, we need a plan. Do we? What good plan are you going to come up with? 
Now go with me to Malachi and I'll show you the Scriptures and make it clear. Here's what the Lord says. I, the Lord, do not change. So that means He's the same today as He was the same God in Proverbs, the same God in Joshua, the same God to Melchizedek, the same God in Abraham's time is the same God today. I do not change. So the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from me by decrees and have not kept them. So we would think, well, the people of God have turned away from God, right? They, 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 they turned away from His decrees. They done started doing bad stuff. They done started done, done marrying bad women. They done started, I mean, they've done some bad stuff, right? Well, let's see what he says. Ever since the beginning, you have turned away from me. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how have we turned? What did we do? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, how are we robbing you? In the tithes and the You turned away from me. Lord, I ain't been doing nothing back. You turned away from me. You've been robbing me. You are under a, and I just read your curse. Fear, anxiety, feeling of gloom. How'd you feel after the elections? Feel like God still got control? Or was you struggling? Or was you happy? I don't know. Here's how I know. I didn't care. I didn't care. Well, you should care. I cared enough to go vote. That's all in the democracy of the United States I can do. But I hate to break it to you. The democracy of the United States don't sit on the throne. I got a king that sits on the throne. And I trust him a whole, whole lot more than I ought to do all the stuff you see on CNN. But if you keep trusting in that, and that's going to be what you trust in, then understand you're under a curse. Your whole nation. Oh, the whole nation. Because you are robbing me. Here's that unless. Unless you do what? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He's not doing this to hurt you. He says, test me in this. Why? Test it. Bring the whole tithe. Test me in this. Go ahead and try me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you so such a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you, for yours will be a delightful land. People have asked me, how are y'all able to do what y'all are doing? It's, 
how are y'all able to do this? All that you're dreaming and all. Go back to those verses. Go back to the last two or three. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, that there will be food in my house. In the house of God, what we've done with what God sent us, y'all don't know about it, and we'll talk about alms and different things Wednesday, but we help people, we pay bills, we, we, we minister to people, we people who are ministering to your youth, we hire them to come in and do ministry, people who sing, people who do. We're doing everything we can to use what God gives us to touch lives. That's food in the storehouse. And he says, if you'll do it, and you'll just do that, See if I will not throw open the gates of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And, and everything we've ever done, ever dreamed, ever, what does God do? Tim, I'm going to bless you in it. I'm going to bless you. Just like I bless families, I'm going to bless you. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops. Think about it. In the middle of a pandemic, Don't get me going now. Y'all be working, work, worried about all this COVID-19. I'm thinking, mm-mm, it just makes my crops look better. Because when everybody else got dead crops and mine's still growing right here in the middle of Forest, Mississippi, they're like, oh, we got churches shut down all over the country. I ain't shutting down, I'm growing. I ain't shutting down, I'm building. Well, that, that's crazy. You don't know what'll happen. Oh, I know what's going to happen. I know God's going to find some blessings for me. I don't know about what's going to happen to you. Oh, but I know what will happen to me. I will prevent the pests from your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit until it's ripe. Then all the nations, in other words, everyone around will look at you, and they will say what? Man, y'all blessed. And some people get envious of that. Some people make fun of us for that. But I'd much rather people make fun of me for being blessed than making fun of me because I'm locked up down at the jail. Or they just kicked me out of my third rental house. I'd much rather people just get mad at me because, you know what, rascal, just blessed, just blessed. Boy, it's just a tough life to live. But I chose it to live it a long time ago because I chose to be a tither and I chose to trust God and I chose to say, God, you be in control. And God says, Tim, all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God. Last night, some of the kids that grew up in our church were together celebrating a birthday. And I just sat there and listened. Most of them are growing up, getting married, got jobs, doing well. All of them are. And I was just sitting there watching it. And I was thinking how blessed, how good God has been. I won't be able to ever see it all till one day I have eternity to start taking inventory. But every, every part that we do is because we realize that we are managers of what God has given us. 
we pay our tithes, we, we give our offerings. And we bring about through that a trust in God like Joshua, like Abraham. And we say, God, now the big stuff's yours. Think about Jericho. We talk about the battle of Jericho. You know, you hear that story, the battle of Jericho. Can I be just very theologically correct with you? There was no battle of Jericho. Jericho was a gift. It's what God says, I have given you Jericho but I gave it so that you would trust me and give it back. Your job is a gift. Your intelligence is a gift. Your life is a gift. He says, I gave it to you because I want to test and see if you would give it back. If you do, you won't be able to contain all the good I can do for you. Will you bow your heads? Father, I hope my people, the people that listen to this, understand this. This is so important. I don't want one person in here for you to look at as a robber. I don't want one person in here to feel anxious about what might get taken or or nervous about life or what might come. I want them to be vested because of the joy and the confidence that it brings. That you can face any problem, any situation, and realize that all of that's going to turn to good for you. That even the pruning in our lives is always just to make us produce more fruit. That God, we're blessed going in and we'll be blessed going out. But it's all tied to the fact that we realize that we're managers. We're stewards. And God, we don't ever, ever want to consider it ours. We want to manage it and enjoy it. And thank you for all the blessings in it. As we give you the tenth, you Through the 90, you just blow up. And we've had more stuff as some of us that are older. We've seen more and got to do more than we ever dreamed we'd ever do. We're blessed. Father, show that to that person this morning who wonders why my life is so out of whack. God, let them align with you so that you can open the windows of heaven and begin to bless them in ways they cannot bless themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go give that devil fits.